You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Stapes and Hartigan invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears, formerly known as EPT Not Live, the world's most listened to podcast ever, period. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, things are just so... All right, I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton over there in England where there is still some semblance of freedom and light at the end of the tunnel is my work wife, James Hardigan. I can tell you haven't been following UK politics if you're coming out with that line. I mean, I have been. It's just it's just slightly less bleak over there at the moment. <laughs> We're all ahead of the same handbasket to hell. Uh, let's get off that for one second and try to pretend like there's other things that matter in the world, like poker. Yes. Uh, James I'm not going to be seeing you for a while, I don't think. My work wife, James Hardigan, who I don't think I have actually introduced yet. (laughs) Joe will always have Panama, and that is where I think our paths will next cross when we're on location in Panama City for the next leg of the PokerStars Championship. Yeah, I'm trying to get a couple of the hot lady dealers to come visit me in L.A. before Panama, but uh, I'll update you guys on that if I have anything to update you on. Coming up on today's show... We have got some poker news in the form of T-Coop and a poker stars team pro who has made a final table and her name rise with a shiv glory. Now I have an update on this, Joe. Liv Barry was meant to be the guest on today's podcast talking about her T-Coop final table. However, Liv has made day two of the 2K event at the London Festival at the Hippodrome and obviously her priority is to actually play poker and try and win money. But... She's booked for next week. So we're going to do a recap of everything that went down at the London Festival, and we can talk to her about T-Coop as well then. Okay, which means you guys are going to have to wait one week for my Live Bree train wreck game. <laughs> Actually, I think I have a really good one for Liv. And also because, like, no offense to anyone else, Liv's, like, kind of smart, and I think she'll get it right away. So I have high hopes. Also, however, in poker news, the shortlist nominations have gone out for the American Poker Awards, so we can bat those around a little bit. The Oscar nominations are out, too. I don't know if you've got a look at those. I have, and disturbingly, I don't think I've seen any of the films up for Oscars this year. As you know, I'm a little bit behind cinema releases. I tend to watch stuff when it comes out on either digital download or makes it out onto onto, uh, Sky Movies here. So I'm looking at the list going, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. haven't seen that. Uh, But on the subject of the American Poker Awards, Joe, are you voting again this year? Uh, I know that I have, I, I, as far as voting for nominations, yes, right. I am. I've I've got that list. Uh, I figure we can talk. Yeah, we can talk about it a little bit later in the show. You can help me figure out some of my picks, even if you want, because I do need a little help with it. Okay, we'll talk about that. But speaking of the Oscars, though, and the fact that there's not like a ton of that we haven't been to an event for a while, what do you do when there's not a lot of poker going on? You watch TV and movies. So me and James, we're going to kick around all the TV and movies we've been watching the last few months. And uh, James, you know, what what makes us qualified to be experts on this? We have a podcast and you don't. (laughs) And also, everyone is going to enjoy listening to reviews of old movies that have been around for 12 months, which is, in my case, what you're going to get. I, I actually don't think I've seen a movie in a really long time because TV's so good right now. But more yeah. on that a little bit later. Uh, finally, and coming up later in the show, uh, the super fan is Sebastian Majko from Poland. Is this guy, I, sorry, he's from Poland or his super fan's category is Poland? Both. It's not mutually exclusive. He is Polish and he wants to answer questions about Poland. 
I mean, I would say this is unfair, but I don't think giving an American a quiz about America would necessarily be an advantage. So, Sure, but also, trust me. I have a plan. Trust me. Okay, James, I trust you. You're my work wife. I trust you more than any other work fake family <laughs> member. All right, let's move things right along to social media and uh, some fan correspondence. James, on the last day of the Poker Stars Championship Bahamas, I got some messages, and I wanted to read them to you to see if you could sort of make a guess at maybe who they were coming from or, or what they were playing at. Message number one, it says, What happened? Why are you not on air? Period. So that's all one sentence with a period. Right. Um, and being the being the person that I am, I, I tried to respond to every person, every viewer is important. I said, is the show not on tonight? Because I mistakenly read the subject by this, the subject of this email that I got says poker TV. So I figured that being the, the last day of the poker stars championship was on, uh, was on a, what, uh, a Monday or a Sunday, Saturday, Saturday. Hmm. I thought someone was trying to find poker night in America when it said poker TV. Uh, Oh, well that gives away that this is coming from an American person also. So I said, is the show not on tonight? It also, to this- you mentioned it's coming from an email. So this is someone who knows you. Okay, there you go. Yes, you're getting, you're getting, you're picking up more of the clues. Next message is, I went on the poker TV show and James and another UK voice is on. Okay. So I said, I left the booth to interview the winner. Keep watching. And the final message was, I follow the website you put on Facebook or Twitter. This has got to be a family member. Yes, it, it's a family member. We're closing in. The messages are potentially too literate to be your father. I'm going to go with Joe <laughs> Stapleton's mother. No, no. My mother's way more literate than that. That's my dad. I think my dad's been studying. Oh, wow. I think my dad's, but I just don't. My dad is like, you know how we get these like nonsensical messages from viewers all the time? It's like, where where is Staples? Yes. That is basically my dad. And he knows me. <laughs> unbelievable that i have to deal with like i can under i can't i actually can't even understand when it's a total stranger sending me incomparable messages like that but even my dad like is like how do i watch the show why are you on tv oh bless him uh, look at least he's taking an interest and that's what we want dads to do um, that's true so obviously our next event joe is panama and satellites are running now and you might remember that during the live stream in the Bahamas, we gave people the chance to win $530 satellite tickets for these Panama qualifiers. And on last week's episode of the podcast, we announced the final three winners from the final day. And one of those winners was Skew3000, which is the PokerStars ID of Scuff, a former superfan who yeah. came on the show uh, answering questions about the skits. And he won a Stepsy ticket, a 27 euro ticket. And he also won this $530 ticket, but he listened to the podcast and didn't hear his name. He actually tweeted, might have missed it, but did you announce the winners on the show? So we said, yes, listen again. You may want to listen again. And he responds, ah, you weren't kidding. Thank you. So chuffed to win a ticket to that Panama qualifier. Also, Scuff has run his Step C ticket up to Step E. And says he's going to keep us. I didn't even know there was a. I didn't even know there was a steppy. <laughs> well, that's where it goes. So he's going to keep us posted on that one. Um, so here's what happened in that five hundred and thirty dollar Panama satellite four handed table with Steve O'Dwyer. No, yeah, 
That's fine. Normal. Okay. Hashtag congratulations. <laughs> and the next message, which was two hours later, that was insane. Busted early, but sat with some amazing players. Still got the step E to go. Thanks again. And another message, literally in the last couple of hours, seriously, searching the IDs of players I was sat with, recognising them from the TV shows, millions in career winnings. What an experience. And that is the reality. When you start playing those $530 satellites, you are going to be playing against a lot of the heroes. And that's why I would say, watch out. Because if Spin and Go qualifiers for Panama appear in the PokerStars lobby, you might stand a better chance through that route. When, now, when he says uh, four-handed, does that mean he just started four-handed, or do the satellites run four-handed, or did it, were his, only four people in it? No, I think his particular table was playing four-handed at that stage. Okay, man, I can't. I mean, I would not even be able to look up the names. Like, if I was at one of those tables, I'd be like, just don't even look. I would, like, black out all their names, because I, I would just make me play so bad against them. I just, you just got to do your thing. Uh, but anyway, shout out to Scar for winning that ticket, playing the satellite, and also for running Step C up to Step E. And obviously, we're very keen to follow his progress, and hopefully he'll be joining us on the tour at some point. I mean, yeah, it'd be really cool to meet that guy in person and uh, maybe get some free t-shirts from him. Uh, James, th th he's one of the good ones. Scuff, he's one of the good ones. Are we going to have an official social media beef with the guy who wants us to change the name of the show? Um, I think Pete Blow took him to task, so we can let this one go. Uh, Steve Mark, not a fan of the new <laughs> name, uh, wanted us to change it to PSC, not live. Number one, we don't abbreviate the PokerStars Championship to PSC. Secondly, this live stream isn't PSC live, therefore there is no live, so therefore there can't be a not live. And um, ultimately, yeah, he had his chance. He could have entered the contest, but he didn't win. Pete Blow and Tony Turner Alvarez did. The name is the name. We've been through one rebrand. We're not about to go through another. Yeah, I mean, I love how this guy thinks you could just change the name of a show like like that. Just like snap your fingers. Hey, you know, we didn't really like that. We're going to change it again. See, also, he, he thinks it's too long, right? He thinks that poker in the ears is too long. And yet he proposed PSC not live. Now, I want to demonstrate something. <laughs> What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for poker in the ears news. Same number of syllables, <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about what is going on in poker today. And we trailed at the top of the show that uh, T-Coop is well and truly underway at the moment. Um, so many events happening that it's tough to stay on top of them all. And as usual, when it comes to the coverage of online events, we would direct you to thepokestarsblog.com. I guess the one that caught our attention, because she's a member of Team Pro and she's a friend of ours, was Liv Bree making the final table of event number 25. This was the $700 No Limit Hold'em Turbo Progressive KO. Uh, wow. Liv eventually finished finished fifth ahead of david peters by the way who came ninth in that event a uh, live winning twenty four thousand dollars plus nearly 13k in bounties so a great result for live and it seems she's on form because yeah she's now at the hippodrome making day two making a deep run in the 2k event there speaking of hippodrome did you see the cool hip flasks they're giving away for playing there no yeah, there's a really cool uh, video right now. Uh, who tweeted? The PokerStars blog tweeted it, um, where there's like they're uh, you get a, a a gift for playing in the main event, and it's a flask with like a pop out cup. Nice. I want one. Jimmy wants swag. 
I'm sure you'll get one. I'm sure all you have to do is go down there and snap your fingers and they'll bring one right over to you, Mr. Hardigan. But yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to uh, I, I, people have been emailing me asking me um, if we're there for that. And it's probably the first time that since moving away that I'm like, oh, man, it would be really cool to have been down the road to be able to uh, to go play in some of those events. Any chance you'll get down there, James? I don't think so. I mean, we talked in the Bahamas about Matt potentially playing one of the events and I haven't caught up with him recently. So I don't know if he's still planning on doing that. Um, Matt ordered a PlayStation VR helmet, so there's a good chance uh, he won't be leaving his house for some time now. Good point. Well made. Crucially, <laughs> as we said, we'll get Liv on next week's show. We'll recap the London Festival. We'll talk to her about this T-Coop final table. Uh, let's instead delve into the American Poker Awards, Joe, um, because we were wondering what was going on with this. We hadn't heard anything. and I think, I think James, that I might actually be somewhat omnipotent because both times I put in the running order for this show, like... What's going on with the American Poker Awards? Like literally hours later, I got an email about the American Poker Awards, uh, both a few weeks ago when I realized that we hadn't heard when they were happening, and two days ago when I was like, uh, "Aren't they happening in like a month from now? Where are the no- where's like the shortlist nominations?" And boom, two hours later, I get an email from Ophelia of uh, the GPI being like, "Hey, would you like to be a part of our nomination process this year? Click here." to uh to see the categories yeah so all that's been announced publicly are the categories if you go to the american poker awards website you'll see that there's some new categories some returning categories um two of the new ones by the way twitch streamer of the year which seems very specific but also (laughs) podcast of the year now james i have not actually looked at any of the shortlists Okay. Um, so I don't even know if we're on the shortlist. I figured we could go through them really quickly. We can. Now, here's the thing. I still, even though this is a transatlantic show, because I spend most of my time in London, you spend most of your time in Los Angeles, I still consider this to be a primarily European production for a primarily European audience. So I'm not sure that we will be eligible for the American Poker Awards. I don't expect this podcast to be nominated. I certainly don't expect to win. My only hope... My only dream for this year's awards is recognition for the documentary Kid Poker. But the only category it really sits in is media content of the year. And I have pointed out on numerous occasions on this show, on our live streams and on social media, this category is just too damn broad because you're comparing photographs with articles, with blog posts, with short form, with long form and Unfortunately, I just don't know whether it'll cut through in that category. Well, let's hope that it does. I literally haven't looked. Uh, I'm glad that you teed that up, James, about our podcast not really being a specifically American thing. I'm glad that you like figured out ahead of time a way to like stave off your disappointment because I would have gotten there, <laughs> not seen it, the name there, gotten really upset about it, and then a few weeks later been like, oh, wait a second, we're not really American. Well, crucially, they seem to have got rid of Television Personality of the Year. So the good news, Joe, is that you won't be losing for the third year running to Kara Scott. (laughs) However, um, it's been replaced by Twitch Streamer of the Year. And I guess you don't really spend a lot of time on Twitch. No, I I, I don't think I'm really going to see myself on there. Uh, But who knows? Who knows what? What sorts of chestnuts we have in store here for the GPI American Poker Awards number three? The first category is Breakout Player of the Year. 
See, I do um, feel that in most of these categories, especially when we start getting into events of a certain buy-in, I'm just going to have to pass because I just don't know enough about the American poker circuit to have an opinion. Well, the only name that stands off stands out on that list. I won't go through all the names of everything, but just an example, guys. I'll just read all these names um, for Breakout Player of the Year. Carl Cardenudo, Seth Davies, Ari Engel, Michael Gagliano, Maurice Hawkins, David Malka, Ankush Mandavia, Samuel Panzica, Troy Quinneville, Sam Soverell, and Gordon Vio. The only name that really stands out there to me is Gordon Vio. Because all, some of the others, if I think of players like Ankush Mandavia and Maurice Hawkins, they've been around for donkey's years. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not really sure like if we should be including them as breakout player of the year. Now, the part of their... Um, stipulation for breakout is like someone who's never won a major tournament before. Okay. It's uh, a, uh, without a signature win before 2016 who enjoyed a breakout year in the live tournament circus. So anyway, I'll have to really think about that one. The next one category is, is more interesting to us, I believe. This is media person of the year. Okay. Uh, and I don't think we really need to go over what that means. In fact, the names on that list are... Lance Bradley, Joe Guyron, Martin Harris, Sarah Herring, Will O'Connor, Alan Rash, Steve Ruddock, Adam Schwartz, Matt Schowell, Joe Stapleton, David Tuckman, Brad Willis. And then there are uh, a couple of check marks for other. Joe, they found another category for you to lose in. I know. I can't wait. It's fantastic. I don't like, okay, don't get me wrong. I want to win. I want to win in every category I'm in. But, like, I don't know that I'm really qualified to be media person of the year. What am I talking about? I want to win. Vote for me. Um, no. <laughs> I have to say, virtually every name that you read out that I do recognize is deserving. Yeah, like, you know, Martin Harris and Matt Schowell and Brad Willis are guys that, you know, really are media people. So I'm not really sure doing this podcast once a week and, I don't know, poking you with a boom mic during a VR <laughs> experience really qualifies me to be uh to be media person of the year i'm just gonna, i'm actually just gonna make some choices in this so i can you can't move on through the categories until you vote so oh i see um, ho hopefully i can go back and change them later uh we've got the mid-major circuit of the year which you know i don't think is uh really anything that uh we need to go into too much on this show since it has nothing to do with us event of the year we have nothing to do with any of those, so we're just going to move on. Best tournament performance of the year is another category. So let's see what – well, I'll just read all these out since so some of them do pertain to us. I'll just read the ones that do pertain to us. How about uh, Bryn Kenny winning the 100K high roller? Yep. Chance Cornuth winning the EPT grand final 10K? Um, let's see. We've got an Aussie Millions, a D World Series of Poker Circuit, a WPT, another Jason Wheeler Circuit, Jesse Sylvia for the WPT, Kristen Bicknell for a bracelet, Maurice Hawkins winning back-to-back -back circuit events. Again, I just don't feel qualified to really rule on this one. I think Mike Sexton winning the WPT Montreal is pretty cool. That's that is in cool. there. Okay, here we go. Poker Media Content of the Year. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Bob, Charlie, and a life-changing WSOP main event journey by Lance Bradley for Pocket Fives. Apologies to Lance, Ex but I haven't read it. Uh, apparently, it's really good. I haven't okay. read it either. Um, it's one of those like heartwarming tales, I believe. Uh, next up, Expected Income and in Live Poker vlog by Andrew Neem for YouTube. Sorry, Andrew. haven't seen it. 
how much money do poker players really have by Doug Polk on YouTube? I've seen a few of Doug's video blogs. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Jason Somerville. I think that's the one that he like markets the most, like the one he pays for ads for. Um, Jason Somerville provides live Aussie Millions coverage on his Twitch channel. Saw some of that. Next up is Life's a Gamble by Mike Sexton. I think that's his book. Okay. Haven't read it. So, Sorry, Mike. I mean, I mean, that's unbelievable because you're talking about all the different things that you can be nominated in this category. We forgot about books. <laughs> I didn't think people wrote books anymore. Right? They sure as hell don't read them. Am I right? <laughs> I certainly don't. I mean, I use one to prop up my iPad sometimes. Um, and next up, James, Poker in the Ears podcast episode number 49 with guest Daniel Negreanu with Broughton, Hardigan, and Stapleton. What the fuck? How is that nominated in this category and not podcast of the year? I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, my friend. Don't worry. We have no chance of winning. Uh, that's just so uh, random. Next up, Poker Life podcast with Bill Perkins. Joe, That's Joe Ingram's show. Yep. Uh, Pokerography, the story of Chris Moneymaker, which is a Poker Central TV show. Uh, Stu Unger's Last Chance Gone Wrong, a documentary by Matt Schaul for Poker Listings. I apologize. The, I haven't seen any of these films either. I mean, honestly, I hadn't even heard of that one. And I do like Matt Shallow a lot and tend to watch or read most of his stuff. Um, the Long Strange Life of the Dead Man's Hand by Martin Harris for Poker News. Two plus two poker cast 435 with guest Jason Strasser. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Now, James. You're th you think that this would be the category where I should write in kid poker. I don't believe there is any other category where it fits. I also think it is absolutely bizarre to create a podcast category and then have podcasts listed in the media content of the year category as well. I don't think it's bizarre. I think it's brilliant and I think it's very, very smart. And I think that everyone should watch uh, the GPL season two. I'm trying to make sure we win one of these, James. Oh, I see. Unlike yes. You. Yes. Um, excellent work. Great shortlist. Excellent. Great. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, I'm just going to make two random clicks here and move on. We must be coming to the end now, by the way. Um, well, I wanted to drop in there really quick. I'm going to wait until next week's show before I actually make my choices for nomination. If anyone out there wants to state a case for any of these things, holler at me. Because uh, I'm uninformed on a lot of it. Don't so, miss the uh, deadline, though. Don't leave it so long that y your votes don't count. Yeah, what is the deadline? Hold on a second. It's probably going to be like 48 hours. That's a good question. Hold on. The deadline is January 30th. So That's Monday. a couple of days. Yeah, I got a couple of days to get this done. All um, right, moving on. Surely we're done now. There, ha there can't be any more categories. There are. There's still Poker Moment of the Year. Okay, well, let's have what that one. Okay, uh, we won't go through all of them, but uh, there's some good stuff on here. Um, there's Bill Perkins giving away his uh, seats to the Bahamas on his Twitch channel. Um, David Peters uh, winning GPI Player of the Year by finishing deep in Prague. Griffin Benger versus Will Kasuf. Uh, Jason Mercier with his WSOP heater. Um, the wow, slow this roll is a tough one. Yeah. The Samantha, Samantha Abernathy slow roll, um, was pretty interesting from Aussie millions last year. Uh, Maurice Hawkins going back to back 
Natasha Barber being proposed to by Jason Mercier, uh, Mike Sexton again. Uh, so yeah. Oh, and Quee win and Quee win at the world series of yeah. poker main event. That's so a that's really a, that's hard a tough one. category. I kind of feel that the Jason Mercier vote could potentially be split. If they'd said Jason wins like two bracelets and proposes to Natasha, that potentially would have had more weight. I just don't see how people don't vote for Kasu versus Benja. It's got to be the yeah, moment that, of the year. It's the thing that got mainstream media attention. Yeah, and the reason it got mainstream media attention is because it was fucking awesome. It was the <laughs> most entertaining thing I'd seen in a really long time. I loved it. So, I mean, that'll get my vote, but also, you know, to get my vote to get nominated. And uh, the second choice will be a little bit tougher for me in that category. Yeah. But thankfully, James, that is it. Right. Well, uh, good luck. We're all counting on you, Joe. And when <laughs> yeah. the nominations come out and I disagree with all of them, I will be blaming you. That's fine. That's that's not a problem. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm sure that no matter what happens, we will continue to be completely and utterly miserable. So, uh, James, I was in Fargo last week, if you remember from the podcast yeah. and from the fact that there are icicles hanging off my nostrils while we were doing <laughs> that show. Um, I decided I, I met a new crew member for the show I work on there. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is Jared. He does stand up comedy. And I was like, oh, cool, man. Where do you do it? And he's like, actually, there's an open mic tomorrow night if you want to go. So I was like, yeah, sure. Totally. Let's do it. And I've never really done comedy outside of like a major metropolitan area you know i've done toronto and i've done london and i've done uh la obviously and i guess well i guess i did it out of a major metropolitan area in england but not in america you know i haven't like done it in like hate that america so i decided uh let's go do this and just long story short i bombed i bombed super hard yeah i think I you teased I that last week that it didn't really go as well as it could have done yeah, I thought I was going to do – I was doing, like, my, like, slam dunk material, and uh, it just, like, one out of every five jokes was landing. And basically, I was supposed to go on for five minutes, and I was so irritated and frustrated that I went on for 12. <laughs> I was just like, nah. I was just like, I'm not done yet. I'm going to oh, just keep going. No. I'm just going to bury this. And um, I do think that – and I'm not really the type of person – to like want to blame the audience or like the setting or whatever but i will say that like i was introduced as like somebody and i think that that kind of hurt me a little bit like because these are just like a bunch of local dudes that are all at the same open mic every week like making each other laugh and they're right. like oh and here's this guy from la and he's here because he hosts a tv show right so you were and oversold and you ended up over promising and under delivering Yes, exactly. So that that part of Fargo was disappointing, but the fucking awesome part of Fargo. Now, James, I sent you a photo of this. Is this for I real? Yes, I actually got to see a calling card left behind by the Fargo vigilante. I was going to accuse this guy of not being able to spell, but I remember you don't put you in the word neighbor. This neighborhood patrolled by one tin soldier, a real-life superhero, evil beware. Stay safe. Obey the law. Now, this is this is apparently some dude who patrols the streets of Fargo at night. I will say this. Fargo, one of the safest cities in America. Uh, and so as a result, I did some digging on this. No one's ever actually seen him. 
So no one knows if and now those flyers are found pretty regularly. No one knows if the guy actually does this or if the thing is like a a joke. Uh, you know, it's just it's just the flyers. But apparently one tin soldier is a member of this thing called the Real Life Superhero Project, which is like an online community for vigilantes in various cities across America and possibly the globe. I think we um, need to draw a clear line of distinction between what a vigilante is and a superhero is. Because to me, a superhero is someone who has powers, whereas someone wearing a costume is a vigilante. So are you saying that the title of the real-life superhero project in and of itself cannot exist? In a word, yes. <laughs> now, look, do you think do you think that there is anyone – because these, these superheroes slash vigilantes, let's just for argument's sake say they're the same thing for a minute. Um, they do exist in several cities across America. Do you think there is anyone that does this that isn't completely unhinged? No, not at all. Like, you don't think there's maybe one just totally sane person that's like, you know what? No, I'm just going to go out and take care of people, right? Like, any of these people could just as easily be bad guys as good guys, right? Absolutely, 100%. That's disappointing. Anyway, I didn't see him, but I'm, <laughs> maybe next time I'm in Fargo, I should uh, <laughs> I should just go out and, like, com you know, create my, a super villain for one tin soldier. Oh my to, god! Uh, to have something to do. You see, that sounds to, ridiculous, but it's the kind of dumb shit you'd probably end up doing. To draw him out. What do you think? I was trying to think of like what, the, like what the what sort of the bat signal should be for one tin soldier. Like a big buffalo in the sky, since it's in Fargo. I don't know. I'm still working on it. If you guys it's have any one ideas. tin soldier, maybe it's a tin of beans. <laughs> He's probably a hobo living off a of can of bees. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, speaking of things that are real or unreal, let's do a little TV recap. TV recap. Yeah, and just very quickly to blow our own trumpet and tell you what's going on on Pokestars TV at the moment. Obviously, we've got no new full-length shows coming out. We've got no live streams at the moment. We have got our second cycle of top five countdowns. You might remember that we released a batch of these features at the tail end of last year. And we've got some more highlights from the Pokestars archives. Last week, we released the, the story of Tom Dwan, five key moments that tell the tale of Durr. And this week, one of my personal favorites, it's our top five Helmuthian meltdowns, our top five Phil Helmuth Jr. blow-ups. And there are some great ones in there to revisit. Some really good ones. And I feel like that we... Uh, by the time Phil started playing in our events a lot in our TV shows, that he was kind of coming to the tail end of the meltdowns. And I feel like the last few really great meltdowns were captured by us, and they are included in this top five. Some excellent ones. You've probably seen them before. I don't know about you, James, but like the amount of time it takes me to like w be entertained by watching these again is only like a month or two. Yeah. Well, that's like, because you have a really bad memory. <laughs> that's probably true too <laughs> but i find these like pr it's hard for me to get sick of these i find them pretty entertaining so give them a watch absolutely and there's going to be a new one every week for the next six weeks uh wednesdays pokestars tv so i uh i mentioned at the top of the show james that i don't really watch uh movies anymore no and you mentioned that tv's really good at the moment and this has been a bugbear of mine for the last few months is that i was pretty much 
on par with release dates, that as stuff was coming out on Netflix or on HBO, that I was watching it as it was on. And I so desperately wanted to talk to you about stuff like Westworld, The Night Of, but you were behind. You hadn't even finished Game of Thrones the last time we spoke. Okay, well, technically, I still haven't finished Game of Thrones. <laughs> I still have season six, episode 10 to watch. Um, I don't know why I just can't seem to, to get that done. I did, however... In the time when, uh, since we last like sort of spoke about those things, I have watched the night of. I have watched Westworld. Um, let's let's start with the night of. I thought that this was good. I really love John Turturro, but I also thought that this could have very easily been like a two and a half hour movie and didn't need to be an eight part miniseries. It did certainly feel in the middle that it was sagging slightly. Um, it remained engaging to me, mainly because some of the subplots and because of Totoro's kind of story arc. I didn't realize, by the way, until after I'd finished watching it, and I think it was uh, my dad who told me this, it's actually a remake of a British show called Criminal Justice, um, and which I think was about three or four years ago. So in a way, that kind of took the shine off it a little bit for me, because I was sort of praising how kind of uh, original it was when actually it's just transplanting a story and moving it to the United States. I mean, I feel like it's a story I've seen a bunch of times on law and order and on criminal minds and on this, like, Oh guy doesn't remember whether or not, you know, he, he committed this crime. And what I guess like the interesting thing here that they did pretty well was like showing you how, um, prison life can turn someone into a criminal. Yes. Uh, who normally otherwise wouldn't be. Is that what the British version is about? Also? I, I think so. Yes, it's it's very much the same story, but obviously with with more of a British twist than an American twist. Look, I do thought- you guys ha- do you guys have the same problems with that in the UK, like with how bad the prisons are and how they just really don't help anyone or anything? There is definitely an issue with whether prison is just purely punitive or whether it actually rehabilitates. So yes, yeah. there are similar issues, and I think they're international problems. They're certainly not exclusive to america no i thought the night of was very good i did find it engaging it was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination the thing that freaked me out about every episode was as the credits rolled it was seeing the line executive producer james gandolfini and i know that obviously he was involved in trying to get this to screen but you know it's been a a couple of years now since he passed and it was both a kind of surprise and also a sad reminder that he's not with us anymore yeah yeah, that was a uh, that was a little sad too, for sure. But I mean, it, look, at least it was like a pretty engaging show. You it know, was. At least it wasn't like a piece of crap. <laughs> it was, and obviously, it's been universally praised. Um, Westworld, on the other hand, has polarized opinion. Now, I thought it was sheer genius. I know some people found it very slow. There were episodes where nothing happened, but I was hooked, and I just thought that it was one of the most intelligent television dramas in a long time. And a lot of the scenes that bored many people were they were obviously really analyzing, you know, what makes us self-aware, what makes us human. I was hooked by, I thought the way it balanced the multiple storylines, the multiple timelines, the revelation that conversations you thought were happening now were actually happening years ago. And it wasn't actually the characters you thought were talking at the start that you realized it was at the end was just brilliant and exemplifies the talent of jonathan nolan as a writer well i'm not sure that a lot of people even came to that realization james i think that there is a very like cursory understanding you can have of the show um and if you if you only pick up on that particular sort of like very 
basic understanding of it that maybe you wouldn't enjoy it as much. And I'm not saying, hey, and look, I didn't pick up on it right away either. Um, it took me a really long time to actually figure it out. Some of the stuff I figured out right away are literally like moments before they were revealed, which was pretty yes. funny. But um, at f I actually had the wrong impression of the show to start off with. I was watching like the first episode and I was like, ah, it's fucked up Love Boat. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's like Love Boat where like they have to, they're going to have like different people come in every week and do fucked up shit. Oh, I see. No, no. I think we're a long way now from making that kind of TV drama anymore. Um well what I was but I no, but I think that they actually missed an opportunity to do that. And I would have like and I look, the overall story arc is is really good. Okay. I think it's great. I do think there are some room in there for other storylines um for, that are less epic and that could maybe be more popcorn-y, but maybe that would ruin the, the show or whatever. But I think I it would. Like I think they would have been out of place and it would have felt like a, a sop to audiences to kind of keep them entertained with subplots while the main story arc is taking its time to develop. I well, think now that they've done that, I hope that they don't stray from that. Well, I mean, it'll be, they've got a hell of a job to do to top this in season two. Considering how popcorny the movie is, and obviously the original film, the Michael Crichton movie, is very simple. And it is the, it's the Crichton stable of theme park goes wrong. And I love the fact that they took that basic concept but made so much more out of it. Um, no, I was... I, to me, this is... Along with Better Call Saul, I think Westworld is the best thing on TV right now. I think that... James, my, now my one complaint that I have with TV shows that I did not have with this is that uh, typically they the season one cliffhanger is the same cliffhanger as they had in episode three is that one they have in episode 10. I thought this show did an excellent job of like basically explaining every issue that had happened in this season and setting up an even bigger problem for season two. Yes, that is very, very true. Uh I don't believe season two has even been written yet, so I don't know when it goes into production, and I don't know when it will be hitting our screens, but I can't wait for it to come back. I know that Better Call Saul uh, season three is coming. I don't know if you've seen the teaser for that, Joe? No, is it really? I, 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 no, I'm super excited, though, because I just finished Better Call Saul season two maybe like a week or two before I did Westworld and the night of. Oh, that final episode, right? So good. It was. It's really good. and And that's a show to me that, like, Every single second of it is entertaining, like yeah. every moment, every line, and it manages to be funny and heartwarming and exciting and brilliant all at the same time. That shows genius. Um, so one of my Christmas gifts to you a couple of years ago was the complete Friday Night Lights. And obviously you did the West Wing Marathon. And then I said, oh, now you can start Friday Night Lights. It's been a while, but have you started? Yes, it took me a while to get going on Friday Night Lights. Uh, the, the show is, the show's good. Um, it is not a chore to watch. It is, uh, I'm not like super in love with it just yet. I will say though that like, I feel guilty watching it because like, th there's just all these hot teenagers running around and I'm like really into it. And like, that's just the boys he's talking about. Well, the boys are very good looking also. Um, and I just watched this show with like this really creepy like how old are the girls the actresses at least they've got to be early 20s right they're in their 20s right okay yeah. because like it really now james the, i'm 
surprised that you would be so into this show and also our boss francine was pretty into it for a while too um not that it's not a good show but it seems it's very american and so i kind of like it because it does take me back to high school um i didn't have a uh, our, our football team really wasn't that big of a deal like nobody really gave a shit but um the whole thing of like dating the pretty girl and like being popular and all that, like it really resonates with me. And so I kind of watch it like, you know, like from the, from the shoes of these guys who are like super popular and banging hot girls in high school. But you guys don't really have that same high school experience. So like, what was it about this show Two things. that got to you? Two things, coach, Mrs. Coach, Carl Chandler, Connie Britton. Two great actors playing two really great, well-written, fleshed-out roles. Now, what season are you on? Are you still on the first season? I'm on season one, episode like eleven. Oh man, I was on a, I was on the plane coming back from Fargo, and their like in-flight entertainment system was down, and for some reason, like my Netflix downloads didn't work right, and so it only I tried to download five episodes, and it only got one. And when I was like trying to click around on the thing, the plane bumped at the wrong moment and deleted oh man <laughs> like my finger deleted the one it was like i had episode 11 downloaded and then 12 13 12 and 13 weren't and then i had like 14 15 16 and so 11 deleted and then i didn't have 12 and 13 and i was like do i watch episode 14 or do i wait and you can tell i really like the show because i didn't well wow. i was like no i gotta go back i can't skip three good man i mean it's not episodic you do need to follow the story season one is what i like to call the jason street season and obviously it focuses on that particular story that kicks off yeah. in the pilot uh season two is a wobble and season two was affected by the writer's strike it's weak there are some horrific subplots in there some stupid moments and it just finishes at, se- at episode 15 and none of those story arcs are concluded they then hit the reset switch and seasons three four and five it just gets better and better and you just come to love the characters especially those two leads and you're in for a treat along the way Cool. All right. Well, I'm excited. I think that the show at the moment is like perfectly watchable for me. Pretty people, interesting storylines, and and it's shot really well. Like it's just shot in an interesting way. So uh, I'm into it. Um, on the subject of movies, um, I mentioned the fact that I haven't been the last. I obviously went to the cinema to see Rogue One, but generally I tend to catch movies much later on. One film I did see that's relatively recent was on the flight back from the Bahamas. Uh, which is a British film called The Girl with All the Gifts. And I know many people have read the book and have recommended reading that. I came into this completely cold. I hadn't heard of the book. I didn't know the premise of the movie. I didn't know the story. And it was mind-blowing. It was fantastic. And I absolutely loved it. And I can't recommend it enough. Well, I mean, can you say anything else about it? Or I don't want to, you know, because if you haven't heard of it and you don't know what it's about... I want you to have the same experience I did. Sometimes it's good to just go into a movie not knowing anything, not even knowing the principal cast, and just letting it draw you in, let yourself become absorbed, and realize what kind of movie you're watching and where the story is going. That's what I did with Ass Blasters 3. I was like, (laughs) I didn't see either the first two Ass Blasters. I don't know any. I'm not even going to look up the synopsis. I'm just going to dive right in. Now, here's my controversial one, Joe. And don't hate me. I finally, because it popped up on Sky Movies, so I downloaded it to my iPad, 
um, finally got around to watching Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. And you know what? I didn't hate it. Well, okay. There's a, there's a thin line between love and didn't hate it. So you're going to have to explain more because this movie is fucking awful, James. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's not a very well-made film. It's poorly scripted, appallingly paced, over overcomplicated. But I just found myself quite enjoying the ride of watching a not very well-made film that passed two and a half hours on a plane. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just a perfect in-flight film. I thought, and the, my biggest takeaway from this, that ben, ben Affleck was better as Batman than he had any right to be. Now, I know saying he is the best thing in a bad movie is damning with faint praise, but actually, I think he could be really good in a standalone Batman film. Okay, well, this is something I can agree with you. and it, I do think he, I don't think he was great as Batman, but he was good. And I do think it could be better. I think he was held back by the fact that, like, Batman's characters made some incomprehensible decisions in that movie. Yes, that is true. I did like the fact that it definitely took inspiration from kind of uh, the Frank Miller era. This is very much Dark Knight Returns. This is old, on the verge of retirement Batman. And I just thought this is clearly the movie that Zack Snyder wanted to make. He wanted to get his hands on Batman. And, oh shit, I've got to make a sequel to Man of Steel as well, so I'm going to have to throw Superman in there. And it just felt that Superman was out of place. That this was a Batman movie where he'd kind of shoehorn the Man of Steel into it. I mean, if, yeah, if Batman weren't so stupid in the movie, then yes, I would uh, totally agree with you. Now, however, looking toward the future, I think that Ben Affleck, for all the hate that he gets, is a really good director. Yes, And agreed. a really good writer. And if he is allowed to make a Batman movie, like, and when I'm talking like, like you say, Dark Knight Returns, or the thing that I did like about this Batman that every other Batman pretty much ignores, he's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Yes. And so if he makes the Batman world's greatest detective movie, I also think it could be awesome. The one thing which I cannot condone and cannot possibly excuse is Jesse Eisenberg. What the <laughs> fuck was he thinking? And how did anyone involved with this movie allow that performance to happen? It's so weird. I don't even know. Like, I don't know. Like, I think that these guys, like, end up getting, like, praised for their, their turn as the villain. You know what I mean? Like, Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson and, to a certain extent, Jared Leto, I guess. Um, you know, and so, like, you have all this incentive to just completely take it to crazy town and that's what he did and it just didn't work but come on man can you the, the scene where batman is about to kill superman but his superman mom's goes, got the same name he can't <laughs> kill him because their moms were both called martha yeah dumb <laughs> as fuck for sure by the way a very close second to ben affleck is the good thing in this movie Wonder oh, Woman. Gal Gadot, right? Yeah. Wonder Woman, great. Uh, look, as I said, a bad film. There is so much wrong with it, and we just don't have time to point out all of its flaws. But it was not unwatchable. Whereas my understanding, and bear in mind that I didn't go near it on the plane because Broughton said don't press that button, was Suicide Squad, which I understand it's very difficult to get past the first frame. Uh, Suicide Squad, I've, I've made no... Um 
illusions about the fact that that movie is horrific. It it makes Batman versus Superman look good, um, <laughs> which is kind of why I'm anxious for you to see it. I would have told you to definitely watch it so we could talk about it on the show. But hey, there's more flights coming up sometime soon. James, I thought the last thing that we could talk about here is a movie that not, neither of us has seen yet because um, I don't think it's been shot yet even. Um is the new Star Wars movie, and they revealed the title this week, and it was yeah. Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi? Yes. And it took it took a while. I was sitting there thinking about it, and I've decided I like it. I like it. I don't know how one comes to the termination, whether they like it or not. Like, I don't... I, I love Star Wars. Well, I guess probably not evidenced by the fact that I still haven't seen the end to Rogue One. Like, I am a a pretty big star wars fan like i I don't care about the title like i'm like oh that's the title yeah but joe joe you lost a lot of points and trust me matt brown now holds (laughs) you in very low regard when you showed no interest whatsoever in the despecialized versions of the original trilogy the fact that you are willing to tolerate a cgi jabber and a fucking song and dance routine in the middle of return of the jedi plus hayden christensen at the end of the trilogy shows that you do not have what it takes to be a true star wars fan okay confession if we could take things back a little bit confession here when they re-released uh star wars the special edition i had never seen star wars in its entirety i'm done here um when i was a kid When I was a kid, my parents were very strict. I didn't have movies. I didn't have a movie collection. The only movie we had was we had um, Empire on Betamax. And so I had seen Empire Strikes Back many, many times and loved anything Star Wars I could get my hands on. However, I was a child and could not get my hands on a lot. So um, Star Wars Special Edition came out in uh, when I was like 14 years old. I saw Star Wars Special Edition four or five times in the theater. I saw Empire Special Edition two times in the theater. I did not see uh, Return of the Jedi Special Edition ever, literally ever. I so I've never seen the dance number. I've never seen Hayden Christensen at the end. Sorry, I had I had Empire and Return of the Jedi on Betamax when I was a kid. We didn't have Star Wars, and so. Jedi was always my favorite of the two because it has like the happy ending and like the really good fight scenes and everything. It wasn't like such a bummer like Empire, but I never even made it to the theater to see the special edition of Jedi. However, I, I loved Star Wars so much that I didn't care that the shit they added back into the special edition sucked. I was just happy there was more Star Wars. I think he was happy to finally see the movie that you should have watched first. Seriously, I, I, I genuinely can't continue with this conversation. I'm just so... Do you think it's a form of child abuse because my parents showed me Empire before the actual, before Star Wars? Um, It's not child abuse, but, and I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Stapleton, it it does show incredible stupidity. (laughs) Well, now we know how my dad was able to compose that email earlier. (laughs) Why no no poker on you? Okay, Joe, uh, we have got our super fan standing by for this week's competition. Super fan. Versus States. Yes, it's the part of the show where we give one of our listeners the chance to win a $27 Phase 1 ticket to the next PokerStars Championship event in Panama, plus, of course, the much-coveted Everyone Loves a Chop Pot hoodie. This week, we welcome to the show Sebastian Moshko. Welcome, Sebastian. Hello, everyone. Sebastian. 
What's your deal, bro? Tell me some stuff about you. Act like this is an uh, online dating profile. <laughs> I'm a software engineer in Poland. So that's basically what I do for a living and casually play poker, but only with friends. How old are you and what kind of software do you engineer? Um, uh, every every kind of software because I work for a company who does uh, software for uh, other clients. So we we does everything, uh, and I'm forty one. What's your specialty software wise? Uh, Java, if you know what I mean. And I know I can't do anything without my first cup of coffee in the morning either. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the old ones are the oldest, Joe. Actually, we could use the help of uh, a software engineer. As you know, we have our very own in-house cyborg, Matt Broughton, and he is due for a refresh <laughs> in 2017. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic software engineer playing along. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, Se on. Sebastian, initially, uh, when you first got in touch about coming on the show, I know you were keen to answer questions about Metallica. We have already had a Metallica-themed quiz on the show. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah so obviously we bounced around a few alternative subjects. Eventually, you settled on your home country of Poland, and fortunately, we do have a Polish member of our team. Uh, so, Joe, Justina was tasked with coming up with some questions for this week's quiz. I, th I mean, what fucking chance do I have for this? The only real connection I have to Poland is I, I had a Polish auntie when I was growing up. Uh, and uh, we had pierogies and galumpkis for uh, New Year's wow. Day deliciousness. Very well pronounced. Very, very well pronounced. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is the problem is that Justina's off sick today. And the problem is that she's written all these questions down. And I know that I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. So apologies in advance. The game is going to be handicapped slightly because you're right to say, Joe, that Sebastian is obviously at a huge advantage. The questions have multiple choice options, but the multiple choice options will only be offered to Joe. So Sebastian, you need to know the answers. Joe, you can guess. Okay. Okay. That's how it's going to work. I like when someone makes special things for me. It'll probably <laughs> still be a shellacking, but hey, what's new? Um, <laughs> Sebastian, what's your poker story? Uh, do you play much or is it just an occasional uh, thing for you? Just occasional. I usually uh, watch your streams, but I prefer Polish uh, commentaries. So greetings for Radom and Pavcio, who does great job. And then I have to rewatch it with your commentary what is it now look i'm gonna i'm gonna not do the gag where i pretend to be offended by you watching the polish stream because I, I don't really care but what is it that you like better about the polish stream just that it's in your own language or do they offer some uh, sort of different sort of content they invite polish players and that's the the main point that uh, they describe their strategy they talk about their uh experience with the events so well, that's but, it. I guess I just got replaced by Sebastian Mallets on uh, on the U.S. and the uh, English stream. I guess. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to give Maybe. you we're going to give you the yeah. chance, um, Sebastian, to potentially play at one of our live events. As you know, we have the PokerStars Championship Panama coming up. We have a satellite ticket available for you to win, plus the hoodie. We're going to get the game underway, and I'm going to let you pick first. Choose a question, please, between one and eight. That's obvious. It will be seven. It is always <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. seven. So your question, remember, you don't get the options. How many bank holidays are there in Poland? 
I would say 13. There are oh, 13. Is... We're off to a good start. Sebastian scores Man, a point. I... Are you serious? There's got to be more than 13 banks in Poland. I know it's a small country, but... Bank holidays. Yeah, but don't you have to count each holiday times the number of banks? No. Unfortunately, no. Oh, my God. All right. It's going to be a long quiz. Joe, pick a number. <laughs> one through eight, not seven. Uh, it is... Oh, I can't even pick my lucky number. Nine. Well played, Hardigan. Uh, let's go number eight. Number eight. Which means that Sebastian's next question will be number four. It'll make sense in a moment because there are only two questions with bonus rounds, so we have to balance things out. Joe, how much did Dominic Panka win for taking down the PCA 2014 main event? Was it $1.4 million, $1.5 million, $1.7 million, or $1.8 million? I think it was $1.4 million. It was, and you are on the board. There is a bonus question. Where in the world was Dominic's next live cash? Bone. Ah, uh, that would be Doville. It was indeed, because he then went on to win the 10K high roller. Joe, you have a one-point lead, but now we go into round two. Oh, we've run out of time. We have to end <laughs> the game here. How unfortunate. Nice, nice try, Sebastian. Now, remember, Sebastian, you don't get the multiple choice options. How many times did the European Poker Tour visit Warsaw? I think twice. Incorrect. Four times. Four. Wow. Yeah, because after that, we've got this law changed and, uh, and the government takes too much money, too much taxes for poker, so... Hey, buddy, is... don't complain to me about laws and government, all right? I'm fucking uh, yeah, yeah, okay, time over here. <laughs> so, apologies, apologies. <laughs> okay, Sebastian, let's see if you can get the bonus question attached here. In which year did the EPT visit Warsaw twice? 2007? No, it was 2008 in March and November. So, Joe, you still have a one-point lead, and you get to choose a question. One, two, three five or six it is always coming three number three which city was poland's capital before warsaw and this is where i'm going to butcher pronunciations apologies sebastian and all of our other polish listeners gniezno krakow lodz or poznan i tell you what james i am pretty positive it is poznan no, it was Krakow. <laughs> so, Sebastian... before that, James, do you know what which one was before Krakow? Oh, I, I don't know. It was Gniezno. Wow, that's that's amazing. I, I don't have anything to verify whether that's correct or not, but hey, we don't worry about facts anymore in this day and age. Uh, so, I believe... Poznan was 100% one, was the previous capital, period. <laughs> Uh, Joe, I believe it is your turn to pick a question. No. no, it's not. It's Sebastian's no. turn to pick a question. Yeah. Uh, uh, one. One. Okay, here we go. What is the smallest county in Poland based on square meters? This is a, a, a voivodeship, is it? Voivodstwo. There we go. So, what, uh, which, it's which a state. Yes, uh, it's a state. So, which is mm -hmm. the, the smallest one in Poland based on square meters? Opolskie. Correct. Meaning we now have a tied game. Joe, pick a question, please. Two, five, and six are all available. Which question is, who is your favorite Polish poker player? <laughs> that is not <laughs> one of the questions. 
Number two. Number two. How many countries does Poland share a border with? Five, six, seven, or eight? Eight. Incorrect. Seven. It's always coming seven! Right. Uh, Sebastian, five or six? Uh, five. Traditionally, how many dishes are served on a Polish Christmas Eve table? Twelve. Correct. So, Joe, you need to get this last question correct to tie the game. Is it question number one? It's question number six. How many letters... <laughs> Like How many letters? The number of the question, right? <laughs> How many letters does the Polish alphabet have? 26, Fuck. 28, 30, or 32? <laughs> I would have guessed like 65. Um, 32. It's correct, meaning right. we have a tied game. Now, no referencing the internet, as usual. We mentioned Dominic Panker earlier on, and we mentioned the fact that obviously he won 1.4 million in the PCA in 2014. He then went on to win the 10K high roller. How much did he win in that 10K event? And Joe, I'm going to let you set the line, and then our super fan can take the over or the under. So how much did Dominic Panker win in the 10K high roller in Deauville? In euros, Joe. 141,000 euros. Sebastian, more or less? I would say less. I'm afraid it was more. It was 272,000 <laughs> yeah. euros. And somehow, Joe, you have managed to conquer in this game of Polish trivia here on Superfan vs. Stapes. I was trying to to set the line so low on that one that it had to be over. I was trying to give it to Sebastian. Well, even I couldn't okay. do that right. Sebastian, you do get the hoodie. Sadly, you don't get the tournament ticket. But hey, everyone knows it's the hoodie that counts. It's wearing that yeah, apparel that spreads the slogan, spreads the and word. if I spot you on the plane, I will notice you. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian, thank you very much for taking part. Thanks very much for thank coming you on the show. Guys. Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, see you. All right, guys, that is all the time we have got for this week's show. Next week, we are doing a Poker Stars London Festival recap with your boy, Liv Bury. She will be on the horn to tell us about T-Coop and playing at the Hippodrome this week. Also, our super fan will be Gary Davis, editor extraordinaire, the guy who has cut together all the things you know and love, and I'm not just talking about my talent reel on YouTube. <laughs> I am talking about all of the great stuff that you've seen, the closers, the openers, the TV shows. Now, James, last time Gary was supposed to be on the show, he chickened out. How are you going to make sure it happens this time? Gary is in 100%. He is, of course, also co-director of Kid Poker, the motion picture. Uh, really looking forward to having Gary on. We're going to get to know Gary, find out what his background is, what drew him into poker, and also run through some of the highlights from his producing slash editing career. And yes, we are going to have a super fan game based on musical selections from the TV shows and webcasts. Let's see who has a better memory, Joe Stapleton or Gary Davis? <laughs> the answer is Gary Davis, obviously. Speak Speaking of musical selections, I've been listening to this new song called Space Monkey. Oh. Space so, Monkey? Yeah, Space Monkey. What is it? 
It's this. Uh, it's this great new dance tune. Okay, that, I've heard uh, of it. Yeah, you should check it out. Okay, it's uh, it's fantastic. I've just been like me and all my friends have been jamming out to it. <laughs> anyway, you guys listen to Space Monkey. Tune in next week for Liv Bree and Gary Davis. That's all the time we got for now. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Yeah.